everyone and welcome to Jaffa Takes, the podcast where we watch all the Stargate and talk about it and then sometimes we just go back to Chulak for a second time, second go around baby and we meet new characters and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm your host Simon and joining me today we have Eric. Howdy y'all. Kavika. What's up? M. Hello there. And Jimmy Dean. Hello. Alright, five of us today. It's going to be uh, a full house of uh, podcast uh, guests are on the, uh, this week. Uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, say, hey, everyone, welcome back after uh, that little hiatus we went on. Uh, I had a nice vacation where I went camping, as mentioned, and I came back uh, all tan and nice and refreshed. Uh, I went camping in a... I'm not, I'm not on the west coast of Canada, but I did go to a mountain camping site that reminded me a bit of every single planet we see on Stargate, uh, <laughs> since it was, you know, at its base, uh, just trees and sand and shit. Uh, and we're going to see a lot of that in this one. Because, uh, as, yeah, as I said, this is an episode where we get back to Chulak, because uh, we get a, like a nice big, Tilk centric episode where we realize he's got a lot more going on behind his eyes than we than we thought, and he has some personal shit he wants to deal with, and it's a a real fun one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I have. So before we start, I have a, a like a couple. Well, one small piece of news for any of our uh, listeners living in Canada. Uh, I checked like over the last week or so, and uh, the rest of SG One that wasn't before on uh, MGM Plus which is the, the, the package you, that you can get on Prime Video uh, that has all the rest of Stargate. Well, now seasons 6 through 10 of SG-1 are also on there, so the whole thing is on there. So uh, entire the entirety of Stargate is available for streaming uh, in this country of Canada. Uh, if that's where you are and uh, you are wondering about that, there you go. Um, but so we're back as to I, where we I, were at the start of the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we just had a couple uh, weeks where you couldn't. <laughs> Yeah, that, there's that. There was like that moment of uncertainty, which is weird when you consider that literally this franchise belongs to Amazon, and there's no real reason why it, sh it shouldn't just be on regular Prime Video anyway. Um, the, the, the the one thing I did check is that there's there's one episode in season eight called Threads that is like the 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 as originally aired version of that episode was like uh, an episode and a half in length. And that's the that's the version you get on the DVDs and Blu-rays, but on syndication it was cut down to a regular length episode, and they have the cut down syndication episode on streaming. So if if, if you're watching way ahead of this podcast and get all the way to the end of season eight, uh, look out for the episode threads because you might want to like use other means to hunt down the the, the good version of that episode. Uh, but yeah, we were not gonna mention that again for years and years down the line. Um, <laughs> Because here we are in season one, episode eleven, uh, Bloodlines, uh, 
that's uh yeah the the title of this episode the uh, we'll mention it later because uh there's something interesting about the fact that it's bloodlines and not bloodline i guess um but we open on uh, what is clearly like some Jaffa priest uh, in a nice uh, big old tent out in the wilderness. Uh, it's a creepy little scene. And we see Tilk walk into this uh, this tent and w- watch what they're watching, which is a little boy laying down on a, ta- on a table. And the, the priests have this big old fishbowl thing uh, that they're kind of holding over this kid and we pan down to this, the kid's stomach and we see there's, the, there's a Jaffa pouch in his belly. Uh, and, th- and this is where it gets creepy because it starts flashing back and forth. And then Tilk is the one being held down on the table by those priests. And one of the, one of them has pulled out a, a gold out of the fishbowl they had and is sticking it into Tilk's body. And we, and we see that little kid has like switched places with Tilk and is walking around and looking at him now. And Tilk is just, uh, looking back at him and yelling Ryak Ryak because <laughs> uh, uh, you know as we understand that's this kid's name uh, I'm pretty sure that's an act- just actually a fishbowl with a hard hat pointed backwards <laughs> on it <laughs> that, that is what, what it looks like um, the, there's also something interesting about this little dream that because like yeah we see that this is a hallucination that Tilk is having because uh, Dr. Fraser is running some experiments on him uh, they tried taking the ghoul out of his belly and giving him some uh, nondescript drugs of some kind to see if they could... The best kind. Uh, yeah. Some uh, some good shit to try to uh, replace whatever the gold uh, is doing to keep Tilk alive. It's uh, those but- very good drugs that they got from the Mongol planet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, if you want, if you want to fill in your head cannon, since they don't uh, specify anything else, you could imagine that emancipation was not a complete waste of time, and that I mean, they, it, they... it was a complete waste of time. They didn't work. Yeah, because because <laughs> it doesn't, right? <laughs> I, um, I, have a, I have a question. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I still can't quite get over. Tilik and all of his people are just like functionally mm-hmm. humanoids. They just have a direct yeah. opening. To the raw intestines <laughs> at all times. Yeah. How is that? Well, okay. it's no, it's, no, it's a pouch. It's yeah, like, that, a, like a kangaroo. Yeah, that and that pouch isn't in them as they're born. That's the like part of the ceremony is to dig that pouch out first and then put a gold in there. Uh, oh, we we get later in the episode. I have I have stuff to say about that because yeah, because it's creepy and like you y- you do ask yourself some questions about it. Uh, it's not very clear exactly what the process is. It's just that. Jaffa are born humans, and up to this day, Ryak was just a normal human boy. Um, and then they do the Primta, and then they're Jaffa with uh, uh, gold inside their pouch in their belly. Uh, that, that's the basics of it. I mean, the pouch is not itself uh, a naturally occurring thing. We do get that, that nasty-looking ceremonial knife that we see a priest use later <laughs> on. Uh, presumably, that's how they dig out the pouch. And I really wonder if there's any kind of... Uh, and anesthesia going on there or not because either way would not be surprising to me but it's real yeah, shit. I'm, I'm no Sorry. doctor but if yeah. someone described to me hey mm-hmm. i don't feel good like yeah it's probably because you cut a hole straight into your guts <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. you gotta take out the humors and make room for the gold 
right yeah yeah i don't know what the rest of the process is they're they're very dodgy about this like they don't explain you you never see a chart of what these these priests do exactly to the body to create this pouch uh you can only assume that it's painful that they do it with this knife thing no. uh, that's all we know about it really they seem like um, on the up and up uh, they do all their surgeries in tents outside they're good yeah, yeah. At at an outcast like open air gulag, basically. That's that's gotta be like good uh sterile environment to surgically operate on a child yeah, in there. I, uh, yeah. I, I yeah, could so, have that maybe like the not outcasts get it done inside <laughs> a building. Yeah, at least like at least a nice looking, you know, ancient Egyptian looking kind of temple place. You know, uh, that one room that one that one room set they have for every planet? Right, the the, the place, there. yeah, the the place they had where you know that scene with uh, the nudity in the the pilot was. I guess that would be where that happens normally. Maybe uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, all that to say that uh, Tilk is freaking out and hallucinating and yelling Ryak uh, even out in real life, and everyone's like, "What does that mean?" No one uh, knows what he's yelling exactly, and we learn. And after the opening credits, we uh, see from a briefing scene that uh, they're talking about how they tried to uh, replace the, the, the immune system that the gold is giving to Teal'c with some drugs. It didn't work. Um, uh, and uh, if was, okay, hang on. The, the, Teal'c is trying to convince them that they need to go back to Chulak at this point, but he's not uh, telling them uh, exactly the real reason why he wants to go there. Uh, yeah, go, so, okay, Hammond is saying that, uh, basically, th- everyone was on board to try this with Tilk because, uh, the boys in Langley, aka the CIA, uh, wanted to get their hands on his goal to study it, uh, and, like, uh, they, so they wanted to figure out a way to get it out of him without killing him. That didn't work. But then Tilk, uh, sees an opening and says, eh, well, you know, uh, were we, say, to go back to Chulak and get some new uh, larva there, uh, <laughs> we might bring one back, and the CIA would be happy with us. That would be great. And, um, yeah. like, everyone kind of like, O'Neill weirdly... Yeah, sorry. I mean, why does this general give a shit what the CIA wants? <laughs> if the CIA <laughs> yeah, that, came... That's the, uh, yeah, apparently... Like, wait, wait, give us another one of these space worms. <laughs> like, hey, I got an idea. How about you go fuck your own face? Like, why does he concern what the CIA right. wants? <laughs> right, yeah, the... Yeah, the Air Force and the CIA, you wouldn't think, have any kind of, like, chain of command or authority on each other <laughs> or anything. Uh, I, I guess, like, Hammond is in direct contact with the president, and if the CIA is, is putting pressure on the president or vice versa, uh, he might have orders that tell him, hey, I should do something about this. Um, he, he just wants them to stop calling. Yeah, yeah like, that dread phone. Like Hammond was supposed to, to to retire at the beginning of the series, and he's getting real tired of this job. Uh, he's just gonna have it for like six more years after this. It's still, just but, a lot of know. admin work, you know. Yeah, it's just kind of and like having to deal with tempers and uh, chew out kernels Hammond, whenever they Hammond bring some just keep sending, uh, bad plants to the table. He should just keep sending the CIA uh, jars full of tapeworms and see how long they uh, catch, before it catches on. <laughs> Yeah, and say, stick those mm-hmm. up your ass. Um, uh, 
no, yeah. So Teal is trying to sell them on this plan on his plan to go back to Chulak, and everyone else around the table is like, "So last time you we were there, like the only way we survived is because you betrayed all the people there and you helped us, and then we still had to shoot our way out, and Kowalski died and everything. Remember? So maybe like that's not a great plan actually to just go back there." And Hammond agrees with the humans around the table and says, "Oh yeah, that's right. Don't go there." Uh, it's a bad idea to do that. And Teal is visibly uh, disappointed by this, and he just gets up and leaves the room. Um, and that's the end of that uh, briefing, or debriefing, I guess, from the, the failed uh, surgery that they tried to pull on Teal. Um, but he's, he's gone over to his room uh, for some, some uh, not-yet-named Kelnorim, which is the Jaffa meditation uh, that is going to be expanded upon further I, I, uh, I later episodes. I want to want to see the scene of Teal having to go into the wicked shop to get all, to get the <laughs> candle set up. Oh yeah, he went to Stokes and went and said, you know, give me some nice uh, candles of uneven diameters. He he would have a hat on to hide his tattoo, obviously, and say, I don't want anything too pungent. I just want I some- need some sticks. Yeah, <laughs> some nice candles to meditate with. Uh, so yeah. Also, that room must be hot with all those lit candles in there. God damn! I'm just saying that because it's really hot here today, actually, and it's making me even feel even warmer to look at this. Um, <laughs> but as he's like sitting on the floor and trying to meditate, O'Neill walks in there uh, and uh, completely interrupts the meditation by trying to strike up a conversation with Teal'c. And he's he's trying to like O'Neill has perceived that there's something else that Tilk isn't telling them about this whole thing because he reacted weirdly at the briefing back there. Um, so, so when Jack comes in here to confront him, mm-hmm. Tilk's reaction is like just the little turn and the eye and the sm- and the eyebrow raise, and I'm like, uh-huh. oh, yeah. that is very much the Rock eyebrow. Oh yeah, and this it is. is. 19, and this is 1997. Yeah, yes. it should. Rock doesn't start doing that till next year. Right, it should be the Christopher Judge eyebrow. Uh, Tilk like really perfected it a year before The Rock, as you said. Uh, doesn't get any credit for it. God damn it! No, it's, um, it's unjust. Yeah, and like that eyebrow says everything. It says mostly, "Please get it, go, come out, go out of the, <laughs> please leave, so that I can meditate and think about my son, who's about to like have this yeah. done to him, uh, and worry." Uh, so yeah, Tilk, uh, when, when O'Neill pushes a little further to get some answers, uh, Tilk comes clean with him and says, Hey, so my son's name is Ryak. Uh, or I have a wife over there also. And, uh, he, they're about to put a gold in him. And I'm pretty upset about this. And that's the reason why I want to go back to Chulak, basically. And O'Neill goes, Oh, okay. Holy shit. Now this, this is new information that changes, uh, the plan you were trying to, to, sell to us um well Oliver, that that sorry. and like his whole relationship with with the uh uh with earth stargate command yeah you know yeah uh yeah because th- now like instead of being like a free agent now he's uh he's compromised uh, has, potentially uh, vulnerabilities vulnerabilities yeah. right compromised, and, like yes. they 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 both instantly acknowledge this tilk says he didn't tell them because he knew that the first thing uh the the earth people would do if they learned that would be to say well we can't trust him with anything since as soon as the bad guys decide to take his family hostage he's gonna turn on us so that's why he didn't say anything and o'neill realizes this also and understands why tilk didn't say anything but now he's like 
well, damn, now you're, we know your family's there and we're kind of fucked. And now if we don't do anything, we're right back to that square and no one's going to trust you because that might happen. Uh, but at the same time, at the same time, like I go to this well a lot, but they were going to dissect him. Uh huh. He they, has they, a mind. He has a mind control snake in his stomach, and sure, yeah. he tells them that he can't control them, but uh-huh. they only have his word to go on on that because they right. haven't been able to, to look at one yet. Yeah, Tilk t- basically has O'Neill vouching for him, and then Hammond vouching for them above him. That that's that's the that's the thing that's keeping Tilk like an employee of the SGC and not a prisoner or a test subject at, at this point. Um, it is really hard for like anyone outside of the SQ, SQ1 to trust him less. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And now it's going to be even worse. Because uh, like he says, yeah, uh, Tilk says, whether whether you come with me or not, I'm going to fucking go back to Chulak and save my son from having a, from the Primta, which, which is the name of that ceremony. Um yeah so yeah, yeah i mean it, you know and they're, they're it's i don't know it's i can see why they would do it this way but it also feels like a uh uh i don't know almost a plot device now, kind of thing you yeah know what i mean i mean it, it's Which, an it's that's an ex- all writing no i'm, yeah. I'm so. just a humble it's an excuse to get them back to chulag for sure country bumpkin uh but why is why is Tilik so concerned uh-huh. <laughs> about his son losing freedom? Like Tilik has the Google thing, right? He he has discovered freedom. What is to stop yeah. his son from? Yeah, but that's the yeah that's the thing is that Tilik's uh like his well, his life's goal is to free all the Jaffa from this, and like l- the fact that he knows he might not be able to save his own son from going through this is is really hurting him. Uh, like as a father, as a father, obviously. Um, so, so as as demonstrated in the beginning of the episode, removing the larva yeah. will kill him. Yeah, that's the thing. So I, he, so he's not free mm-hmm. so long as he's reliant on having the symbiote. But, but in uh, terms larva of like decision making, right. he's he a best... free, consenting person. No, he he's free. he he's free. He's just like physically shackled to his gold in a, in a way, and he won't, he would like to break that cycle very much uh, among his people, and it's not easy, uh, as we're gonna see, to, to not have that happen when uh, his son is living in a society where they consider that to be a completely normal rite of passage. Uh, it's basically Jaffa bar mitzvah, as far as we can tell. Um, yeah, I've been calling it a gut mitzvah. Yeah, basically. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, it, it hard cuts to General Hammond saying, absolutely not. He's like very much against the idea of going back there. Um, uh, the, so uh, the three human members of SJC are trying to sell Hammond on the plan to go back there. Uh, not not only. Um, not not only to get a, a larva back for, uh, for for them to study, but also like uh, on a on a we're the good guys basis. Basically, we need to go there and help the Jaffa and free them from this. And if we go there and help them, maybe we can recruit other Jaffa to be allies with us. Wink, wink. Um, uh, so yeah, because Tilk has told O'Neill about Braytag, and he said. You can go there and meet this guy, and he's he's a potential ally, and he's the only one we know of, and we don't know him yet. Uh, so it, it's kind of a thin, uh, a thin justification. But there you go. That's what they have to go with. 
I have, uh, I have very amused by like Hammond's whole deal at this point in the series, where it literally is pretty much every episode. It's like SG One, we want to do a thing. No, you can't do the thing. No. But, we're, but we really want to do the thing. <laughs> okay. okay, fine, you could do the thing. Uh-huh. But in, in like Hammond comes closer than usual to being an actual hardball and uh, and. <laughs> And saying no to them, he like he he calls O'Neill to come alone in his office while Daniel and Sam are still sitting at the table and close the door and basically to the principal is gonna yell at him basically uh, at this <laughs> point uh, <laughs> to say no hey there's no they're like your plan sucks it's too dangerous you can't go there I'm gonna tell you this in very clear terms you can't go there. Um, Wait, uh, I think like in private over there is where O'Neill tells Hammond about Tilk's son, because uh, they haven't hit, they hadn't told him about this. That we're trying to uh, convince him with the other arguments. Uh, now he's saying, so this is about Tilk's son, and he wants to save him, and we we want to help him because he's our friend and everything. And Hammond is still very much against him, and he now he's back on the. Well, if Tilk has a son who's in trouble over there, that's a that's a yeah. new problem. That's not a reason to go. Um, yeah. So, uh, we, yeah, we cut to the, the control room where Tilk has put on his whole Jaffa armor, including, uh, a serpent helmet, which, like, the only one I can think of that they would have on Earth is, uh, from the one Jaffa that died, uh, in the opening of the series. Uh, because Tilk, when he came back to Earth, he wasn't wearing his. So that wouldn't be his. So presumably he went over to the armory or whatever and asked for that helmet, and they just gave it <laughs> to him, even though it's probably not to his name. Uh, and he went over to the control room and started dialing Chulak, and no one stopped him at any point during this. Because uh, I mean, we've seen that the uh, security in the SGC <laughs> control room is very poor. Yeah, uh, <laughs> apparently so. And it's like the graveyard. It's not even the graveyard shift. Apparently, there's sometimes around the clock where it's not even manned at all because there we don't see any text in there and we see some guards yeah well walter's not even in here yeah walter's not here uh we we see guards come up and hold guns at tilk but that's after his g1 has gone down there to to confront him so like basically no one is even thinking about this room until the alarm sounds because the stargate is being turned on um but they're all basically just staring at him and trying to to like stop him from going alone uh and uh and Hammond is like worried about what's going to happen if Tilk goes alone and he gets captured because Tilk knows a lot about the SGC and then Apophis might know everything and that would be a problem. And this is finally where we get the, the Hammond flip where we think he's chewing him out, but he goes, ah, so that's why I'm going to authorize a mission and you're all going to go there and bring your son back alive <laughs> so that we can put this matter behind us. Because um, that's what Hammond General does every single time. <laughs> Um, say so, I like their sorry. I like their outfits. I like that. Uh, so Sam tells Daniel to take his glasses mm-hmm. off, but Jack still has his hat on. Yeah. And, and they have like Jaffa priest robes, which I don't know how they got those either. Because there, there's oh, never. Sorry, just just skip back a little bit. Specifically, like ha- Hammond says, well, I'll authorize the mission to go get your son. When is this? When is this ritual supposed to take place? It feels like. Tomorrow, like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you pres- couldn't have had this crisis precisely. Like, and, yeah, and, 
Uh, he, earlier. Yeah, Tilk was hoping it would come up earlier and they would naturally come up with a reason to go save him. And oops, none, none of that happened. So he had to force fate, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, good point. Um, so yeah, the, the, the priest robes. Uh, there hasn't been a priest on on Earth at any point. Uh, there's, there, there was never a point where they could have gotten their hands on these robes. So the only way this works is if Tilk, after saying, so they're going to like put a snake in my son's belly today, could you go over to like the tailoring department and tell them about these Jaffa robes that we can like completely copy exactly so that so that we can wear them as, as disguises as we my, go to Chulak? My concern isn't... <laughs> um, as first prime, it was his duty to take that information, to take everyone's measurements and, my, and to have the robes made. Personally. Where did they get these yeah. robes? Because that's uh, that doesn't feel like the important thing. Because the moment mm-hmm. they get to that new world, they throw off the robes. They get rid of the disguises. Yeah, yeah, right. Why that's, did they that's, bother? Yeah, that's not very smart. Because uh, like they use, like, I don't know. Come back wearing. Come everyone else show up wearing handcuffs. Yeah. Something have a plan. I mean, they have a plan to come back through the gate after that. But like, basically, the robes—they only use the robes to get back to get past the immediate guard that is at the Stargate, who do a very summary. Like, every planet has this problem apparently that they don't check out visitors from the Stargate closely enough because Earth lets all sorts of shit through, and then like the the Jaffa <laughs> and Chulak. Um, the, they let these people through, and the ser- serpent guard who doesn't even open his helmet, and like Tilk plays the thing where he's a very important guy, and if this lowly priest tries to get him to show his face, <laughs> he doesn't deserve it or anything. So he like he grabs his hand and I goes. I want to point out that this this guard is like th- the people guarding the gate are three ner- are just like three nerds. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, they look like nerds in cosplay. It's pretty funny. It's it's not very. They- Oh, okay. There are a couple. There are a couple of Jaffa soldiers at this point. Yeah, they're, we will. They're... We'll come back to that. We'll come back to this point later. Yeah, it's like four so- four so- four soldiers and a priest. Sorry, guarding the Stargate. Um, I feel like they could have says. taken that, but you know, whatever. We'll <laughs> come back to this later. Yeah. Sorry, Eric. No, nothing. Okay. Um, so yeah, so uh, the the Jaffa priest is trying to like pay his due diligence and say, "Hey, how about you open your helmet so that so that so that I can see your face?" And Tilk tries to pass it off as like, "Oh, my helmet's broken; it doesn't open." And the priest wants to help him with this, and that's where Tilk grabs his hand and kind of like holds him in a submission hold and says, "Hey, thanks a lot for for being careful, but like." Due to our rigid social hierarchy, it would be a dishonor for you to do this or whatever. But I'll, I'll put in a good word because you were so diligent and wanted to make sure and check. <laughs> and apparently, that bluff works well enough. Uh, like coupled with Tilk pointing a staff weapon at him for a second, I guess um, that they just let them through. Uh, I guess no one wants to piss off the 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 the, the serpent guard. Uh, who's no, a, no, a higher caste to. than them? Um, so yeah. So as mentioned, it cuts over to it, to in the woods, and they've taken off their Jaffa robes, and they've wiped they, they've wiped <laughs> the the makeup on their foreheads to act like a Jaffa tattoo, like to make absolutely sure that their disguises are completely unusable from now on. 
because uh, <laughs> like they're gonna like they I guess they didn't want the rest of the episode to have the SG one members wearing robes for some reason because their looks are too iconic or something. I don't know. Um, Eleven episodes in, yeah, you know, I, I, on your I, first yeah, season. This, this, the the gener the generic khakis are so iconic. Right, we we Listen, have to tell them Samantha's apart in white shirts. Something it needs mark. to be a highly uh, yeah, gender Mongolian dress robes. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Uh, nope. Uh, it's just fatigues for this episode. The, though Tilk does keep his uh, Jaffa armor for this one, uh, so he's nice. Well, I mean, and we later see that thing has like a shit ton of layers. That, oh, yeah. that would just be a pain in the ass to put on and off. Right. Yeah. He he does get rid of a bunch of it before they get back to. So that's another thing that they could have maybe brought back otherwise, uh, which they don't. Anyway. Uh, They've walked all the way over to Tilk's house and uh, what's left of it, because it's just basically two charred walls and some beams uh, laying on the ground because it's been torched uh, to cinders. Uh, and Tilk is very sad about this and he goes over and checks out the outside wall of the house and falls to his knees when he realizes there's a big old uh, picture of a uh, spear with some with like a couple of snakes coming out of it. Uh, and he explains that the mark, yeah, of the Shova, the mark of the Shova, which like Daniel translates and says Shova means traitor. Uh, they've they've just branded his whole family as traitors to Apophis and banished uh, his wife and son away and burned his house down because Teal'c is pretty much <laughs> the most hated man on Chulak, as it turns out. Uh, Might have been expected, but uh, it still hurts him to find this out. Uh, he's very desperate. He doesn't actually. He probably thinks at this point that they've, uh, his family's dead, and they might have burned down yeah, inside the yeah. house. Um, just like Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like a bunch of examples in history. Um, but uh, they don't have to worry for very long because, the f like, as soon as they start uh, thinking about what they should do next, uh, <laughs> Braytac comes up. Uh, he's yay, our friend. Uh, the, the, the Tilks Jaffa Master, uh, the previous uh, Apophis's previous first Brian before Tilk, uh, Master Braytac is there, and uh, he holds his staff weapon at O'Neill's face because um, he was guarding uh, the ruins of the house, I guess. And then like Tilk walks out, and they start to talk a little bit, and because they were good friends, um, and uh, this is where. Uh, yeah, so Braytac explains that, uh, he, he thought Tilk might try to come back around this time because of, you know, of the, of Ryak's, uh, ceremony. Uh, so, so that's why he hung around, he hung around the house, uh, to check if Tilk was coming back and, which he did, um, and he's there to tell him, like, no, yeah, they're, they're alive. Uh, they went over to, uh, the camp of, I don't know if that camp is name or anything, the, but he says with the other. Like the traitor camp. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the, the outcast camp, uh, that actually has that, that mark we saw on the wall. It's there as a, like a big stake in the ground. Uh, cause that's where all the people that, uh, Apophis doesn't like go, I guess. Um, and then, like, Teal'c introduces the rest of SG-1 to Braytac, uh, and they're like, 
<laughs> trying to be nice to him and shake his hand and Braytac uh, ignores them. Uh, he, he gets right up into uh, Carter's face and like basically insults her and says, uh, this is, these are the brave warriors that defeated the palace guard at Chulak, a human woman. And like, I like, I like how he bites Daniel's yeah. wrist. Uh, that's fun. That's yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he, he wants to make a point that Daniel is weak. So he picks up his arm and almost like bites his wrist, basically sticks it in his mouth. And Daniel doesn't even fight back. He just like stares at him, mouth slightly agape, like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Um, he's doing the, the anthropologist thing, I guess, and uh, let, just going along with it, not to offend the guy. Um, uh, <clears throat> and uh, like, break- <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, and then he, you know, they do the, they do the whole whatever deal and disarm him. And- yeah. So, like, Breitak calls them Hashak, which uh, I guess it's weakling in, in gold or something. And O'Neill takes offense to that, even though he doesn't know what it means. Uh, like, Breitak starts attacking O'Neill because at, at that point, he just wants to check if these people are worth anything in a fight. And O'Neill actually, like, kind of fights him back and manages to grab the staff weapon from him, throw him to the ground and point it at him. And he's, yeah, and then, and then he's like, okay, yeah, if you don't want our help, just say so and we'll go, and we'll go home. And Braytag starts laughing and like, we think, oh, it's fine. Everything's cool now. Uh, Cause like, he's like kind of impressed with this guy, it turns out. Uh, but like, he, then he says he's over a hundred years old and O'Neill feels <laughs> bad about it and he, he wants to help him get up. But Braytac went, <laughs> just grabs O'Neill with his legs and like does a, I, I don't even know what to call it. Like, uh, he just throws into the ground with his leg and then flips himself upside, uh, back on his feet. Uh, and says, yeah, I'm 133 and basically I'm still stronger than you um yeah the director's cut of this episode is actually two episodes what because for the next 30 minutes they just take turns pulling <laughs> each other to the ground <laughs> and as they become best friends uh, i really like o'neill and baytac's relationship where they kind of don't exactly like each other but they keep fucking with each other in a way that you know it's it's, I'm imagining it's, it's cute director's it's, it's cut. funny um it's what yeah, happens I'm, when you have two guys trying to be the dad. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, they're they're both team it's just dads. That fight scene from They Live, but between these two old men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, it, it's it's some friendly sparring uh, between a proud warrior race guy and a U.S. soldier trying to one up each other. Um, I mean, Braytech and O'Neill are both experienced commanders, so... Yeah, exactly. You know, they get it. They're, they're both sort of father, father figures to Teal'c as well. Uh, Braytech more directly. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I, I just noticed that Dan, that Jack is walking around with a stick in the next session, in the next scene, just so, he's, <laughs> just so he doesn't feel out of place with the other two in Nice. Well, and the thing is, is that, like, Braytech isn't exactly mm-hmm. wrong, because, like, he has been at this for over a hundred yeah, th- years. Yeah, th- that's the thing. Like, Braytech has been quietly trying to foment, like, a sense of subversion among the Jaffa for this whole time. And these upstart humans just come over and kind of upset the balance, um... And he's, like, not super pleased with it, but at the same time, he's kind of impressed with them. Like, he says he's heard a lot about the the, the warriors of the Tari. He might have heard about the, the Nox planet incident where uh, Apophis was basically made a fool out of uh, by these guys. And 
decided, oh, maybe Tilk is with some nice folks, it turns out, uh, that have a shot against the gold. Um, so yeah, uh, they, they decide to go south where the, the camp is, where Tilk's family is, and O'Neill just goes, yep, I guess so, south is good. And they just uh, walk off into <laughs> the forest. Um, yeah, like you said, uh, O'Neill has picked up a stick so that he can walk with the two people. <laughs> this feels like a Richard Dean Anderson thing, where he's like, I'm going to walk with you, and I, you found a stick in the woods. It's like, I'm going to hold this, because you're both holding sticks, and I feel bad if I'm not holding one. Um, and they have a little conversation where, uh, basically, like uh, Braytac can only uh, imagine a hierarchical society and an army in gold terms, so he thinks... Uh, the humans have a god that they <laughs> fight for as well, or something, and O'Neill tries to explain, well, no, uh, that's not exactly how we work. Uh, we, it's not like we don't have gods, there's religions on Earth, but uh, like, I don't think anyone on Earth, well, okay, that that, that might be a bit of a generalization, because there are people who do believe that their prophets are among them in the flesh, but for the most part, speaking of the Western American uh, army, white dude, uh, he's not fighting directly for a man who calls himself a god. He's fighting for hierarchy, that is a government, and specifically for General Hammond, who's a very bald man from Texas, which is a line that's really going <laughs> to stick in Braytac's mind because it's a setup for a joke that is paid off, like, l next season. <laughs> oh, then you serve no one. I serve the SGC under a General Hammond. So this Hammond is uh, just a man. Very good, very... Bald man from Texas. Oh, so many times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, can I just say I love Braytac's cape and how he just walks around with it draped over an arm. Yeah. No, this is a guy who's like it's 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 like the Roman style of cape, actually, uh, kind of where it like goes over one arm or something. It's he he looks very regal and like like he knows what he's doing. He's been there for a hundred years and he's a warrior and he's very distinguished and stuff. Did yeah, Teal you, you have get a cape? why. On, on his original yeah. uniform, did he have a cape? Um, I don't think he had one. I think Bray, uh, Braytac's the only one with a cape. Now that you that, now that you mention it, but I don't like think Bray in the first episode Teal had one. Yeah, so Braytac just has his just just had this like put on his armor uh, all on his own. Th this was not yeah, issued yeah. to him by Apophis. Yeah, no, it's it's a special. Uh, you know, when you reach a hundred years of service, <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they give you they a, have a special. Yeah, cape they give you a nice great cape. Uh, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I, it gives him a very like distinct look. He's also always wearing that skull cap that we see Jaffa wear, uh, and yeah, he rules. The, the actor who plays him is really good, and like Braytac is the oh yeah, Braytac is after Doctor Fraser. He's the recurring guest character that appears the most on this show, and it's always a treat to have him on. Uh, we're gonna see him a lot of him, and I'm really psyched that this is where he first appears. Um, uh, Jack says they don't fight for a god, but there's a pretty big evangelical yeah, wing in the Air yeah, Force, yeah, so yeah, that, <laughs> it's not entirely yeah, true. Yeah, that's the but. thing. He says, you know, uh, Braytac asks him something like, so you don't fight for a god? And, like, O'Neill says, well, no, I mean, a lot of people on Earth think that there is a god. It's just, we don't. like, And, like, even O'Neill tries to explain this and kind of, like, stumbles on his words because he, he, he comes probably to the same realization we are when saying this. Where he says like, uh, he he kind of like hand waves it by saying, let's just say no one on Earth is fighting for a guy whose eyes are glowing, 
which you know, well, I mean, it's not soldiers, but we'll see about Seth in a couple of seasons over there. But you yeah, know, he, um, he should have told him people in America worship money. Money's the god. <laughs> <laughs> the the new god of the of the the, the new religion is money. Like, yeah, he, um, he would have understood that. Like people revere wealth. We worship wealth. Yeah. Right. And I, I'm sure, yeah, there's 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 wealth and economy and gold and everything in no, Jaffa culture. I, I think if you just told if you told Braytac that, he would just assume money is the name of the system Lord of Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, Carter and Daniel have apparently separated from the rest of the group because they're just off walking in the forest on their own for some reason. Uh, and they s- Jack specifically sorry. told Jack told them to stay and for whatever reason, yeah. which they're not doing <laughs> and that. they didn't. They, they just decided to wander around for some reason. Uh, <laughs> but they stumble upon, like, uh, a little, like, party uh, holding the Ark of the Covenant uh, on the, on a chain, carrying it between them. I was going to compare them. that to the, ho- the Holy Hand Grenade of... The Holy Hand Grenade Party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a generic... Uh, holy looking thing that two people are carrying on sticks on their shoulders and a bunch of guards around them um so they they realize it must be important and they decide to follow these people and it turns out it's just like a lunchbox basically it's just like food for gold larvas but uh yeah it's it's a whole ceremony and it's for some reason this is guarded better than the actual place they're going which is weird but there you go <laughs> um but they decide to follow them their so lunch, their um, lunch is heavily, is the most heavily guarded thing on the planet <laughs> Oh, it's a it's a it's a rich protein broth that that has been brewed for so long and fermented in casks and it's completely price priceless and it needs to be protected with Jaffa lives unlike the actual babies of our god who are just left in a tank and unguarded for some reason. There's there there, there isn't even a twist where it turns out it was a trap or anything. It's just unguarded. We're gonna see later. Um, so. They don't expect anybody to, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's the thing. They they kind of hand wave it by saying, "No one on this planet would ever dare do anything like that." It's it's like wondering, well, you you just leave your car out on the street and no, you trust that no one's going to steal it, and you go, "Well, yeah," because that where else are you going to leave it? And it's there's like, you know, you would explain it with cultural things, even though to an to an outsider it might seem nuts that you can just I mean, break a, a car's window and get to in there. To a certain right? degree, it makes some sense because it's like. This is not only their gods, but also their immune mm. systems. Right. This is all of you, their medicine. Yeah. And, like, yeah. There, there's, yeah. Yeah, to the Jaffa, it is that. But considering, like, the, they guard the Stargate with, like, six people, and they guard everything, I, there's just the, the only thing so far at Gold Society that isn't guarded is their nursery for their young, which I is mean, insane. Folks, but, you know, folks whatever. have those, like, local <laughs> neighborhood libraries. Those, those generally don't get broken into. Maybe people just revere the, the larvae. Yeah. Like, they do books. Hmm. Right. Yeah. That, 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 that must be it. Uh, maybe this have is the first... Have you seen one no. of those tiny, little li- those tiny little libraries? They're full of, they're full of like, Fox, Fox News knockoff shit. <laughs> <laughs> I did Tom get Clancy rid of... paper books. God. Okay, so this is... You just called me out big time, because after moving, I, I went through my book collection, and I, like, sorted out the ones I hated, and I put them in one of those, and there was a Tom Chancy book in there. Uh, <laughs> so a, 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 but a little there you birdhouse go. full uh, of Tom Clancy and Kai Plusser. Uh-huh. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, 
Um, so O'Neill and Teal'c and Braytag have reached the outcast camp. Uh, they're on a nice uh, imposing cliff overlooking the place. Uh, <laughs> so, and Teal'c like, just walks out in the open where everyone can see him and everyone <laughs> down there immediately recognizes him and screams as it runs away and goes to hide because yeah. even among the... T- Everybody in the outcast camp says, hey, yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Jackson. <laughs> uh, yeah, so apparently even the Jaffa outcasts are afraid of Teal'c, even though he's also an outcast. You would think they, they might be on the same side, but uh, he's I guess... He's the these, most outcast. Yeah, these are just like the homeless people, and like the, the Shova is even like scary to them as the, the most dangerous man to Jaffa culture uh, all throughout the galaxy. Uh, as we're going to see, Teal'c actually became something of a symbol that the gold decided uh, was uh, the most wanted man in the universe. Because uh, they don't want that to happen with their Jaffa. Um, so, uh, we see like uh, ju- just above where the, the, the camp is, there's that tent that we saw in Teal'c's stream from the outside. <laughs> and then we see the inside of the tent, and the priest that's in there is the exact same priest that Tilk dreamt about earlier, and it's the exact same tent from the inside, so that is some high accuracy dream that he had uh, before he went there. Uh, but, you know, whatever. Uh, they just reused the set clearly for the vision he had. Uh, but in that tent, Ryak is laying down on the on the little table, and a priest is hanging over him, uh, holding a gold healing device, uh, the one that we saw Kendra, I think, use in the Thor's uh, hammer. Is that is uh, that the healing? De- See, his. I I thought that was at first the torture device, and was like, oh, oh dear God, do they make the pouch with the torture <laughs> device? No, no. I think I think it's 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 all the same. It's all the yeah. same device. So this is no, no no. There's two devices. There's one that's the torture device that also does shockwaves. This one has little bits that go over your fingers, and it's like a, a round in the middle. And the one that we see there is it just goes over your palm, and that's the healing device. So there are two different things. Uh, and if, like another thing that we're gonna learn eventually is that these devices can only be used by actual gold, uh, not Jaffa. So this guy is apparently a gold priest, not a Jaffa one. If he can use that healing device. But then he uh, shouldn't have the tattoo on his head. Yeah, that's the thing. The tattoo on his head indicates the Jaffa. The, the, I mean, the real, the real answer is that they hadn't yet decided that the devices can only be used by gold, <laughs> but uh, there you go. That's that's a backfield justification that this has to be a gold priest that does the thing and not a Jaffa one. Um, but yeah, the, the way I understand it is we're going to see that he this priest is using like a two-pronged ceremonial knife uh, that he tries to use to stab Teal'c with in a second. Uh, so what I think happens is they 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 just like stab a cross shape into the belly and then use the healing device to make it a pouch and not not a yeah, gut yeah. wound that kills you, you know. And then they stick the gold in that pouch. So it's like a I guess a three step process to make a. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm gonna be honest here. It's like once the pouch is there, you. It's probably better to put the Gowold in it because there's no keeping that healthy otherwise. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, the, that thing is going to get infected as hell. And it's not its not clear if at this point Ryak is already past the point of no return and he, if he's going to die without a ghoul because we're going to see pretty quick that he's pretty sick and he needs one. But it's not clear if the sickness is unrelated to this or not. It's its its weird. They, they really leave a lot of gray in the margins to 
then don't explain the process quite quite as as thoroughly as they I might guess, so i guess they don't uh, seal the yeah, same wounds early. in uh deep space nine for jadzia it's just always open wound on your torso yeah yes but the yeah, trill are designed yeah, for and that. the trill can yeah i mean uh, a trill can leave a host and then come back to that host later, right? It's like it's it's a non-invasive, non. It's a weird thing. I don't. I I don't think Star Trek really super explains the physicality of how the trill work. Uh, it's just a nice symbiotic relationship where uh, the gold one is an explicitly invasive uh, parasitic one. Uh, so at least like if it's traumatizing, it's meant to be in this. In the case of this show, um, anyway. All that to say. Uh, Teal shows up to the tent and tries to interrupt the ceremony, and the priest goes for his ceremonial life. Uh, and Teal just like tosses his staff whip into the ground and puts himself between the the priest and his son, and says basically, "Hey, you should. I don't. I don't. I don't have any quarrel with you. I just don't can't let you keep doing this to my son." Um, he, he basically tells him to just leave, and the priest uh, doesn't leave. He lunges at Tilk with his knife and tries to stab him. Uh, Tilk doesn't let him do that. He manages to defend himself. But then another mysterious cloaked figure emerges from outside the tent and jumps on Tilk's back and uh, stops him from uh, fighting off the priest, I guess. Uh, and all that erupts in, into chaos and priest shoves the guard, uh, not the guard, the priest away, who uh, topples into the table on top of which the fishbowl with the gold was uh, and the table collapses and the fishbowl shatters and the priest falls down to the ground and he must have fallen really badly on some glass there because uh, that's that is a the priest is dead basically as we're going to see in a second uh, while Teal'c is fighting off this mysterious cloaked figure and he uh, wrestles her to the ground and takes the cloak off and realizes that's his wife uh, my wife there you go Borat voice uh, Dreyok maybe the priest who, uh, yeah, she, she, I don't. Maybe the priest not, fell and hit his neck on like a stool. Sorry. Like it was a million dollar baby situation. Yeah, yeah, that 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 that's <laughs> a way you might uh, kill yourself from a fall that doesn't seem that bad, actually. Uh, especially if it's like a Jaffa or a Ghoul, which are explicitly supposed to be very resilient and have a healing factor that helps them like recover from wounds very quickly. Uh, he he got a real bad critical miss there that killed him in one shot apparently um because i don't even think we like oh he fell onto his knife yeah they 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 flip the the priest over and he's holding his knife inside his own belly uh that's 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 unfortunate right there uh and we see that the gold that was in the fishbowl cut itself on the shattering fishbowl and is also dead on the ground um and Dreyok is very upset at this and because, like, she a, she screams at Tilk that hey, she just spent all the poli- uh, all the social capital, the fam, or and possibly money or whatever that the family had left to to have the priests come over and do the ceremony on Ryak and in the hope of maybe reintegrating them into Jaffa society. And Tilk just came and completely ruined those chances. Oops. Um, so that that well, you know she had so a nice we have house. The dead and now from she the wall. We mm-hmm. have the dead priest that has the gold either in his stomach or his brain. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he and was we're not st- going to bring any of those with us. 
No, yeah, presumably the gold inside the priest is dead, because either it was in his stomach and then he stabbed into it with his knife, or it was in his brain and it died at the, at the same time as the host for some reason. That, the dead, the dead one from the bull was at least more intact than the one from Kowalski and will be worth something. Right, yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're, they're on Chulak. There, there should be options for them. Um, but yeah, they're going to find only one of them and actually actively get rid of the other ones in a second. Um, and Teal, so okay, Dreyak is really mad at Teal for stopping this because that's why she attacked him. She wanted to stop him from stopping the ceremony because that was basically their ticket out of, out of the outcast camp. Um, and she says, you have condemned your son to death, which implies that as far into the process as Ryak was, it's past the point of no return where he absolutely needs a gold to survive. But yeah, but they don't have one now for some reason, uh, except I all mean, the ones I, in their bellies. I thought she just meant that she, he was going to, that they were going to get put to death now because of, because Tilk showed, <laughs> Tilk showed up again. Yeah. Not, okay. Right. That right. Might, it's not clear, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Dreyak basically like uh, throws everything in Teal'c's face because she was just his wife. She wasn't necessarily uh, all up on his rebellion plan from th- from the start, which is you know also raises some questions about Teal'c was like thinking about uh, betraying the gold this whole time, and he never told his wife about it, which. Uh, Kind of a thorny subject, I guess, especially when you think maybe your wife might sell you out to Apophis or something. Um, I, I mean, but his, basically, his, yeah, his rebellion was really a very spur of the moment thing. Yeah, but we're gonna like we're gonna see later on. It's been brewing inside his brain for a while before that point, because you know we're gonna yeah. get a bunch of we're gonna get a f- bunch of flashbacks later on and see that Braytac more or less uh, raised Teal'c to uh, <laughs> to want this. He, Braytac is the one who put the idea of rebelling he, against he the goal in his brain, basically. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, by training him and becoming <laughs> his best friend and father figure, and taking him under his wing after Teal'c's actual father died, uh, which is a whole other thing. But, um, yeah, so, but but his wife, uh, not into that plan, she was basically just left behind a single mother with a son who was now being outcast by Apophis and, and the whole of Jaffa society and had to run into the camp. And she very much blames Teal'c for, for this. Um, so she tells him all of this. Uh, it's very convenient that, that, the, mm-hmm. That his house, mm-hmm. the outcast camp, uh, the the gold uh, nursery, the storage yeah. tank for the yeah for the gold nursery is all within maybe two hours. Yeah, of, it's, of it's each other, pretty close uh, to the stargate. The gate that's presumably closer to the stargate <laughs> than the temple and the city we saw in the the pilot because like they had like a twenty four hour timer there, so it it must have it must have taken them much longer to walk back then. Uh, but this is apparently much closer, yeah, to, all to each other. It's like like we've said before, it's a sci-fi show, so uh, every planet is a single location <laughs> that you can. Once you're on that planet, you're everywhere on that planet. Uh, if like, I, I, one thing I was wondering while I was watching this episode earlier today is is Apophis on Trulak in this moment as as they're talking, and then I figured, well, no, because if if he was on Trulak, they would have shown him being there and being angry that Tilk is there, even though it's an entire planet and he might be on the opposite side of it. Um, 
But since since this is a sci-fi show, the assumption is uh, Apophis is currently on a different planet, <laughs> not on Chulak because he's not there. Um, anyway, that's like the, that's the Jaffa planet. That's not where Apophis lives. That's just where his army lives, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean that makes sense. You don't live on the yeah, same exactly. place as your slaves. Um, so yeah, uh, Dreak is very mad at Tilk, and she says, uh, "You abandoned us and left us to, to become outcasts in this society." And Tilk uh, tries to give him like basically uh, the, the "I'm doing praxis to save him" line back. It's like I went out there to to fight for the freedom of Aljafa so that you and him can be freed from uh, gold slavery. And she slaps him in the face for this because um, <laughs> you know uh, that's that's probably. Uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's an interesting moral quandary is how much do you sacrifice the people closest to you in pursuit of an ideal that is in the abstract better for them and will give him a better life, will give them a better life, but they're, you are also making them sacrifice their privilege in this society by doing this. Uh, cause like, Tilk was yeah. the first prime of Apophis. He was basically as high class as it, as it's possible for Jaffa to be under the gold. Uh, it's, yeah. That, that's a that's a long way to fall uh, in the social in the social ladder. Um, so Tilk is like, okay, uh, we're not going <laughs> to resolve this. I'm just going to wake up Ryak and talk to him now. And Dreyak is actually like, no, 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 don't do this. Don't wake him up. Don't talk to him. And uh, Tilk pretty brutally like yanks her by the hair to ask her in her face, uh, <laughs> what did you tell him? And she says basically, yeah, I told him you're dead. So. Uh, <laughs> It's gonna be weird if you're not dead, because um, Ryak, as a child, is maybe not mature enough to understand uh, all the political subtleties of everything Tilk has done. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's difficult. It's kind of heartbreaking that uh, basically Tilk's family is falling apart at this point. Um, uh, you know, they give him so they give him a, a nice, nice uh, pathos and uh, yeah. a little bit of. Yeah, and it's, it's nice you know? that the this episode exists to give us, like, to make us understand Tilk's whole thing, where he's like, he, it gives him a hook to to Chulak and to his people, and you you understand what he's fighting for in a way, even though he's had to sacrifice a lot to do this fight in the first place. Um, so we're back to plot to uh, the B plot with uh, Daniel and Sam following the the, the convoy, uh, who go over to like okay so there's a, like a church in the distance, but that's not where they're going because as I said like there's like an open like barn or something it looks like a like the nativity scene manger with the Jesus or something but it's <laughs> uh, it's it's it, it, what's in there is a tank. Uh, it's it's like surrounded by spears, but that's it, no guards. Um, and we see that the tank is like has bubbling water in there and a bunch of gold larvas. And a priestess lady uh, just scoops up some liquid from the 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 container they were carrying it and just like pours it in there. So as I said, it's like it's just gold food that they're carrying. Basically, it's nu- nutrient liquid of some kind. Um, I like how they have to be kept yeah, like fish. basically you have to feed the larva every x hours twice a day or whatever um yeah except like these fish are their gods literally supposedly can, can, can we just have way too complex a life 
banned for a parasitic organism. Oh yeah, and it's gonna get even weirder, like in two episodes when we meet Hathor. Um. Like they have, <laughs> they have to feed these smaller larva things that need to sit in in their tank, and then they need to go live inside something's stomach for a while before they uh-huh. move into something else's brain. Yeah, yeah, it's Just like it's so many steps. Yeah. I mean, first, first they have to be carbonated uh-huh. for a while. <laughs> And then they go into their flat period inside the yeah, uh, yeah, Jaffa. Yeah. And then, like, so, so there's basically two different larval states before they reach adulthood. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's all we see of that is uh, Daniel and Sam see this and understand what it is. So we get back to the camp where they've brought Ryak back to his bed and are laying him down. And he's waking up and he's coughing and everything because it's clear he's very sick. Um, and as the, you know, the ceremony has started, but not completed, uh, he's sick and he doesn't have an immune system, so he's gonna die unless they do anything. Um, and as we've seen, like, the, the one gold that was supposed to be used for this is dead now, and they can't possibly think of a different gold they might use for this. Uh, even though, yeah, <laughs> they are, they are gonna come up with a plan B for this whole thing in a second, but, you know. Um, so Ryak wakes up, sees Teal'c. Uh, he's very happy to see him because, you know, Ryak doesn't hold that grudge against his, against his dad because he doesn't even understand what happened, really, because he's just an innocent child. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, so, yeah, at this point, like, Teal asks, how long has he been sick? And Ryak said he's been sick since they were driven for, from their homes. So I guess he actually caught, like, a, an, an illness when they left their house and he like he was maybe gonna die already even before the ceremony and yeah yeah, yeah that's what so it that's why like. she pushed for that to happen because she was actually trying to save his life uh, it's not just like a social standing thing I guess um, and I, now Teal regrets what he's done because they don't have any way to cure him um, <laughs> but uh, then O'Neill comes up and he looks at him for a second and I guess that's his. He, uh, he, Tilk has enough field first aid, uh, training or experience to recognize scarlet fever, apparently, in this kid, uh, which is not an illness I'm familiar with, but I feel like that's a term I've heard somewhere. It's an advanced form of strep throat. Oh, there you go. It's a, it's a bacterial infection there. Then, so it makes sense when O'Neill says that they have antibiotics on Earth that might cure him from this, um... And Teal pulls out like a set of little uh, paper pouches from his pack, and he opens one of them and pours it in the in a little bowl of water, and like we get a close up of it, and it is white. But what it makes me think is, especially as he mixes it in, and it looks like a yellow liquid, is that it's a pouch of Kraft Dinner uh, (laughs) sauce powder that that he's uh, (laughs) that he's mixing in there. That is. That is the lemon lime <laughs> drink from an MRE. Oh, it is, that is correct. Okay. So, what? is is it is it just a drink or it's is it actually medicine? Um, it's literally okay. it's just a drink, and I mean maybe he's just doing it for hydration yeah, and that, electrolytes. That would, that would help. I I, I thought. I can't say what it is supposed to be yeah. in the show. I though. mean, the way he's giving it to him by saying it'll help, but it won't cure him. I thought it was gonna it was gonna be like a uh, powder, Tylenol, or something, or aspirin, you know? Um, yeah, or like uh, yeah, something like that <laughs> for his stomach. Yeah, <laughs> um, the stomach that's got uh-huh. a giant hole in it. <laughs> you need that to get the fizz down, uh, the, the acid down, I guess. Um, 
But they gave it to him, and uh, I guess he uh, he's not doing too well. Uh, but like, yeah. So O'Neill has said on Earth, if we, if we can get him to a doctor and give him some antibiotics, he's gonna be fine if we can do that. Uh, so that's the plan now that they they're they're gonna try to carry unconscious sick Ryak back through the Stargate that is guarded by Jaffa. Uh, so that's gonna be difficult. But there you go. That's that's all they got to go on right now. Um, so, yeah, Dan- Daniel and Carter are now directly inside the little building I mentioned next to the gold tank. <laughs> and they say out loud, hey, uh, this is unguarded. There's like no one there watching this. And <laughs> ni- nice, la- li- <laughs> nice slam shading there. But uh, Daniel says, well, who on Chulak would want to steal a gold larva? And, you know, good point. Maybe like they don't, they wouldn't even think that's a problem. But also, you know, that Tilk is like a rebel Jaffa and he's from there and there might be other ones that might have an interest in fucking up like Apophis's literal children presumably or part of his lineage or something because like yeah and, when I said sorry and and you know there's a big big circle that opens up to other planets like uh-huh. just just over that hill over there yeah, but don't worry. You put like four guys and a priest there to make sure that no bad guys come through the Stargate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, when I said like the title is Bloodlines with an S, so that's what I was kind of alluding to is that the, there's like two bloodlines that are represented in this episode, which is Teal'c's and then Apophis's with these. Uh... <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, with these uh, gold larvas there uh, that is going to be cut very short in a second, as we're going to see. Um, thank you, Eric, for for posting a photo of coughing Ryak in the chat and saying, great cough acting. I think this is literally just a child coughing, so uh, yeah. <laughs> I would say it's pretty good. <laughs> it's, <laughs> made him intentionally choke on something before I, the uh I mean, it's not was... hard. You you can cough voluntarily. It's not that hard to fake a cough or acting, even if you're a kid. But they, yeah, I guess, I guess. I mean, the kid playing Ryak is good for what he does. Uh, I would, uh, I would argue, uh, he doesn't. I appreciate his commitment yeah. to method acting. They, they have <laughs> they have a weirdly large amount of child actors that show up on Stargate. Now that I think about it, like there's going to be another one this season. There's going to huh. be a bunch later on that are like not- notable. Um, I mean, in the movie, you probably saw more kids than right. guards. But I, the kids in the movies were like teens. Like the Dryak is a child. He's like eight years old. Um, yeah, no, there are. There were some teens, but there's a lot of kids with oh, yeah, goofy right. haircuts. I, I'm gonna be um, honest. There are just a imagine- lot of children. I'm just imagining uh, the actors from Degrassi Junior High, just one after another, popping up in this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's a it's Canadian. Uh, Doctor yeah, it's, it's a whatever. roundup of, of uh, Canadian actors and like a bunch of them. Like, because I've seen like a couple interviews from the child actors in this. Like, I think the the kid who played Ryak and like Cassandra and like the 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 not not the Charlie who's O'Neill's son. There's going to be another kid named Charlie la- later in the series who are all adults now and like give interviews on like uh, with Gateworld and stuff. And it's it's all like people who grew up in the Canadian TV sphere and stuff, and they've they've all been on all these shows. Maybe not Degrassi, because that was shot in Ontario, and the, these are people from Vancouver. But, um, yeah, it's and it's like, uh, uh, the, the child actors of sci-fi shows, 
uh, went around the bunch. Like a bunch of them were also on X Files and stuff. And uh, even though that's not a Vancouver show, uh, I guess the pool when when you're choosing from is not that wide. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's it's funny that it's easier to go to New for them to go to New Zealand to go film than it is to go to Toronto. <laughs> yeah, maybe. X Files becomes um, Vancouver te- like briefly. Uh, halfway into the series, I think yeah. it shifts to Vancouver. Oh, it does. Okay, so or yeah, it, that, that, that I guess that's it. It starts in Vancouver yeah. and I think shifts to L.A. Oh, okay. So I guess there was a window where they 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 would just use the same character actors because of location. I guess yeah. I could have swore X Files was New, was New Zealand. Was that where that was the movie? One of the movies. I don't know. I definitely remember there being a whole thing about them not having anyone who actually was American in like the minor yeah. roles or something. I, uh, I know, I know, Farscape was was it Australia or New Zealand? Farscape was somewhere in, Oce- in Oceania that was that it was shot, which is why like Ben Browder is the only American on that cast. There, but, there are two yeah. Americans on Farscape: uh, Ben Browder and the guy that plays the his dad. End of list. Yeah. Oh right, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yep. that's uh, it. And then you have uh, what's his name? Funny, <laughs> funny hair, funny hat guy with the beard. He who is very much uh, not American. Anyway, um, so uh, yeah, so they like they're at the the gold tank. Daniel and Carter. Uh, so Carter says, "Yeah, who here will want to?" No, Daniel says, "Who on true like would want to steal a gold larva?" And, and Carter says, "Well, we do, uh, so let's get to it, I guess." Uh, and she has to like psych herself up to stick her hand inside the tank and grab a gold with her bare hands to stick it in that little thermos that they have with them that can apparently only carry one. Um, and she it's has dumb. like she counts to three. Sorry, it's yeah. Dumb. <laughs> Yeah, they, they they brought exactly enough storage to get one and not two of them. Uh, like, she counts to three, and then she can't do it. And Daniel says, all right, on four. And she says, four, and just grabs on it. And you see her, like, really stuff it into the, the thermos, like, quickly, so that we don't see that it's just a prop that's not animated. And she scoops up a little bit of the <laughs> nutritious liquid that's in there to go with it to keep the gold nice and healthy on their way. Um, yeah, you can hear a bunch of popping sounds from... Uh all the uh, bones breaking from the way she just shoves it into the thermos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think gold larvas are, are invertebrates. I hope so, at, at least, because uh, yikes. Um, so as they're walking... It's, it's fine. It's an evil baby. Yeah, I, I mean, as we're about but to they, have very clearly underlined for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, as they're about to leave this place, Daniel looks back and has a little devil on his shoulder saying, you know, this tank is full of evil alien snakes that are going to enslave people and become like evil hosts to to uh, to enslave humans. That really sucks. There's like, we, it would be real, easily, real easy to kill them all right now. Carter says, yeah, well, I mean, if we did that, we'd be the bad guys then, wouldn't we? And Daniel says, yeah. And then as he's starting C- to walk Carter? away... Carter, what do you think is going to happen to the one you just put in the thermos? Right. It's going to get dissected. <laughs> you know, uh, these are your orders to do that. And like, yeah, as they're about to walk off, uh, Daniel just whips around and like shoots the whole tank with his gun to kill every other gold that's in there, uh, which is pretty dark when you stop and think about it. Uh, and if anyone's ever seen uh, Band of Brothers, they may remember that scene based on an <laughs> actual event that happened. Where they shot a tank full of aliens? Yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> Except the tank full of aliens in this case was uh, German POWs. Oh, yeah, 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 the POW. Yeah, I remember that scene now. That um, was an actual event that happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe you. Uh, like, World War II specifically predated the Geneva Conventions that specifically forbade stuff like that from happening. Um, yeah, uh, so, so, like, uh, oh. speaking of predating the Geneva, G- the Geneva Conventions. Sorry, before we move on for, from this, this yeah. scene, one of the, one of the, the Gavod, like, on the top part of the platform there, it's flopping around. Yeah. <laughs> but by the way, yeah. Still, oh yeah, it's it, it's still like it's a, it's, it's in its death throes. Like someone like on oh, the, sh- gonna- the the director of this episode went, uh, you know, tie a little string to the end of this tail and make it wiggle around so that we can see it suffering as it dies. Yeah, that's the good stuff. Um, but, by the way, this is like what yeah, so, we want to make you clear: that this snake is in pain. Uh-huh. This is one of those TV things. So the the gold uh, chamber, I guess, exterior resting area is probably, what, mm-hmm. half a mile away from Jabba the Hutt's palace, the thing that's in the background. Uh, uh-huh. When Daniel yep. unloads, let's say, ten bullets, uh, <laughs> everybody in two miles yeah. should be able to hear him. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like They heard a church bell from over in the woods earlier in the episode, and later on, they're going to have a Jaffa blow into a horn, and apparently everybody on the planet is going to hear it. But Daniel like unloaded a whole clip of machine gun into this thing, and no one is coming up to check out what I mean, happened. Next next time we see them, they are being chased. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe know, they did follow the noise. It's not very clear. Um, yeah. So, yeah, as I was going to say, uh, the... Uh, the Earth hasn't clearly hasn't come up with with laws regarding war crimes against aliens, and the Gold have no uh, personhood sta- status under Earth law at this point, which is a nice wiggle room for Daniel to like try to morally morally justify what he did there. But like, I feel the need to point out that if these Gold were humans in any way or counted in as sentient beings, uh, he would have done a huge war crime right there. <laughs> That's, that's kind of over a line, um, which I guess is only mitigated by how, so far, we haven't seen any indication that the gold can be anything except evil, which, um, I mean, keep that in mind for later, I guess. Um, I mean, also, we, we do know that they have the whole genetic memory yeah. thing, so yeah. there, there is a degree yeah. of compl- of complicitness uh-huh. of any gold yeah, born uh, because of that. Yeah, but all, all these gold, assuming they are uh, the spawn of Apophis and Amonit, which is what's implied, uh, would have all the memories of both of these uh, gold and therefore be exactly as evil as them or whatever. Uh, that's how that works. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah. But I, I feel like we, we should, we, I, I felt like we should at least mention that Daniel kind of borderline does a war crime right there, and it's not really mentioned. Oh yeah, no, again. That's, defi- that's definitely a war crime, but you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, we're back with uh, the Ryak uh, gang, who's uh, carrying it through the woods, and Ryak has passed out again, and now they're real worried about him. Um, uh, and uh, O'Neill says, well, okay, we should hurry up and get him to Earth so that we, he can get some care. And Teal'c says, no, if, if he's passed out like this and he's not breathing anymore, like, there's no time to even get to the Stargate. We're in too much trouble as it is. And that's when Teal'c uh, decides to make the sacrifice and uh, he, you see him take, take off the plates on his armor and uh, stay only in the chainmail that we mentioned before is pretty modular. Uh, 
<laughs> he is taking like there's a lot of layers in that yep. on that thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh and he he takes off he takes the gold out of his own belly and sticks it in Ryak to save his son's life. See, uh, this is, is the, where I wish that the larva could communicate because mm. I imagine that larva is thinking, "Thank God this guy tries to get us killed every single week." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I I feel yeah, the, the larva has knowledge of what's going on in the outside world i think it hears and whenever it's out there sees with eyes but that's that's all it knows i think on top of the genetic memory we mentioned um yeah so uh he takes it out and puts it in ryak uh o'neill's against the idea but braytak says that no like that that is the father's right like implying that this it's not an unprecedented unprecedented situation and it, and it is considered under jaffa customs to be the moral and uh honorable thing to do to save your child is to give him your own uh primta um <laughs> we cut back yeah to- but yeah actually you're you're right I- Jack should be more concerned about this because it, it, I mean, probably not as much as Teal'c, but mm-hmm. it would probably know things about the SDC. Oh yeah, that's that. Yeah, that that is like a po- potential information leak risk right there. Uh, but they don't mention this, and it doesn't come up ever. But you know, that that's a good point. Uh, but yeah, Jack, as a father who lost a son himself, is probably yeah. Is, no, he's not going to let. Yeah, he's, he's not thinking right now. Yeah, die. you know what, Tilt? I would have done that if it was me too. So go right ahead, buddy. Uh, even though that, that's his buddy Tilk who's basically condemning condemning in, himself to death, as far as they know at this moment. Um, then we cut to Daniel and Carter, and Daniel is just munching on a protein bar, like like that. Doing that gold murdering has give, given him an appetite, apparently, because <laughs> he's just munching on his snack right there. Um, Listen, you will you will not deprive Daniel Jackson of his Fifth Avenue bars. Yeah, <laughs> dude loves himself some chocolate. Um, and he like turns to Carter and sa- asks, matter of factly, "Do you think we need to feed these things? Um, as we've seen, yeah, you need to give them some kind of liquid, uh, as long as they're not in a host. Like it just, it just had its lunch. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. Like on on the liquid that's in the thermos, it can be fine until they get to Earth, at least. Uh, whereas it will be put under CIA care, and then who cares or knows what even is going to happen to this thing? Uh, but then, like they, Jaffa starts shooting at them a whole bunch, so they have to seek cover." Behind a nice big tree <laughs> we, we get a funny little shot where Daniel is still holding his bar and he just tosses it into <laughs> the nature to pull out his pistol um, Carter tosses a grenade at uh, like a whole little squad of Jaffa there and blows them up uh, nice and real good um, Yeah, I would just like to point this out mm-hmm. C- Carter single-handedly no effort at all mm-hmm. kills three kills three Jaffa yeah, soldiers I mean yeah now that is a grenade uh, something like yeah okay yes <laughs> yes but but we're gonna see later that um well, well we'll come back to it when we get there but yeah I'll bring this up later yeah 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 right um so uh yeah we're back with uh team Tilk uh where they're looking over Ryak and Braytak is saying uh, that Ryak is, is already starting to s- show signs of healing and he's going to be fine. But Tilk is like still standing, but propped against the tree and on his staff, uh, barely standing with his head down. Uh, he's having a hard time. And he's he calls Braytak over and he, he starts basically wanting to tell him his will. But uh, saved by the bell, just in the nick of time, 
Daniel and Carter get right there at the, at this very moment, uh, and they all catch each other up on what they've been doing. Um, so O'Neill tells them, the temple. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. O'Neill tells them. So yeah, uh, we have a problem. Uh, Ryak's fine now, but Tilt doesn't have a gold anymore. Uh, but Daniel's like, hey, uh, good news, I guess. We have one right here. Uh, we just captured one. And, 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 and just one. Only one. Yeah, just one. And also we killed the rest to make absolutely sure we can't go back and get another one to actually fulfill our mission that we were sent here to do. Because, um, I mean, like, honestly, why, why do they only have one thermos? Yeah. Every, <laughs> right? every at the very minimum, everyone should have been carrying a thermos. Right? You'd think so, because because they didn't they didn't even have a precise plan on how they would get a gold. They just thought, well, this is the planet where they are, so we might find one, and that's it. That was the plan, and apparently only Carter I mean, carried it. I think it. the plan. I think the plan was to take take the one that was supposed to go into Braytac, but that didn't work. Oh yeah, in, into Ryak, you're right. Yeah, um, Ryak, But yeah. That, then they left the thermos with Carter, who didn't even come with them to Ryak. So where, where's the sense in that? Um, what if? What if? And here's my bold speculation. Mm-hmm. What if that thermos was full of coffee? What if they never <laughs> even planned how to get a gold larva? Yeah, I, I wondered that, but we do we do see that thermos pretty clearly, and there's a big biohazard sticker on it, so I think that was okay. specifically the container meant to carry gold. Um, I mean, I, I I personally believe that Carter is def- would be carrying around biohazard stickers to just stick on things as needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, she likes that. She likes her coffee pretty strong. Yeah, that was a, that was a, that's what I was gonna say. That seems like the kind of joke she'd make to have her coffee thermos have that sticker on it as a joke. Um, but yeah, so they they go well. All right, time time to unscrew that thermos and just stick that baby larva into Tilk, which you know. As an added benefit, means that we just we've just reset the clock on Teal needing to get a new one of those, uh, which I think is like part of the part of the reason they wrote this this episode this way was to uh, get that problem out of the way for a little while, basically, just to to have. To have that, like, because we knew Tilk was eventually going to need to get one, because uh, his was going to mature. So by having this, now now he has a baby, and we know he has X number of years before that's necessary. Um, so it's like a pretty clever writing trick right there. Uh, moms hate it. Um, but also, yeah, another writing trick is the main reason why why they had Daniel go crazy and shoot that tank full of golds <laughs> is so that they they don't have an excuse to go back and try to get a, a second one because they have to end that that episode empty handed like the f- the past couple, like uh, every episode. Yeah, yeah. Th- this I counted. This is the fourth time where they where where they go on a mission and with a specific objective, and by the end of the episode they don't have that. It's just taken from them before the end and they, and they come home empty-handed but as as always uh the actual benefit from this mission is the people they meet uh in this case Braytac, uh, who's going to be a nice ally of them for the rest of the series um so uh the, the real technology the real technology to rival the get world is the friendship yeah, they made along exactly the way. it's the power of friendship um <laughs> So uh, we see that the Jaffa, the other Jaffa that were running after Daniel and Carter, have found the corpses of the ones that were blown up at that grenade, and they they blow into a nice ram's horn that does a weird noise because it's an alien horn, I guess, but it's audible enough that uh, all the guards at the Stargate hear it and know to uh, stand on guard 
for uh, enemies coming. Hey, Jafar Shofar. So they know they know that it's time to go. Yep. Yep, exactly. Uh, so uh, now everyone is walking together. Uh, Tilk is up and walking around again. So he like he got over his uh, temporary lack of a gold pretty fast. Uh, but Triac is still passed out because uh, the old gold, well, I mean, Tilk's former gold uh, is taking a little bit longer to cure his carded fever, I guess. Uh, but uh, as they're walking around, uh, Ryak suddenly wakes up, uh, so uh, he starts talking, so Teal puts him down so that they can talk a little bit. Um, so what did they say? Yeah, so uh, Teal has a, a, a little like time to talk to his son before they leave, because he, he realizes that with all the guards at the Stargate on alert, they're never going to be able to sneak uh, Dreyak and Ryak back through the Stargate with them, which is, you know, c- considering the plan they actually used to get back through, it, they're, if they might have had a shot to actually bring them with them, uh, but they choose not to do that. Um, but uh, Teal t- takes this moment to l- talk to him and say he's proud of his son and that he's going to grow up and be strong, and like now he has a, he has a gold in his belly, and you know that's not what he wanted, but he like he wants to know that he that he tried to 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 have things go different, but he couldn't make it, but he's going to come back and make up make it up to him basically. And Teal like uh, w- for what is probably the first time uh, spells out to his son, "Yo, what I'm about is freeing all the Jaffa and also the gold or false gods." and please remember this and that I'm doing all of this for you. And it's a nice little moment. Um, it's going to be a little heartbreaking when uh, we next time we see Ryak, but we'll get there when we get there. Um, but yeah, so basically he tells Ryak to stay behind with his mom and uh, he, he tells Dreyak to uh, blame everything on Tilk, that basically uh, Tilk came back and tried to kidnap Ryak and kill the priest and everything and that they had nothing to do with it so that uh, they might gain a favor again and possibly reintegrate gold, uh, not gold, but Jaffa society. Uh, now that Ryak has been uh, made into a full-grown Jaffa, so to speak. Um, uh, so they, 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 they tell each other farewell. and It seems for a second like they've uh, basically made up and are, might still be in love with each other, but it's not very clear. Um, Honestly, from what we've seen in this episode, they did not have a good marriage beforehand. No, right. So. It was it was a a very like dad is off fighting in the war and he comes home one night every six months and then he's back off. Um, and doesn't I mean, tell divorce you. in the military is pretty high. Right, exactly. That's probably a universal constant. Right. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't doesn't tell his wife anything. Um, so, uh, they go back to where they stashed their disguises earlier, and Tilk picks up like the big serpent guard helmet, and we see that uh, Carter and Daniel start to pick up the cloaks that they had, uh, and Ritak is like, no, 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 don't, don't worry about it. That's not going to work. I have a better plan. And they just toss the robes right there and don't even bring them back with them. So, What, what I love is like, Jack is like, all right, we need a plan. This is the plan. And Braytag's like, no, this is the plan. <laughs> and O'Neill's like, yeah, Shut up. Uh, the plan is we do what Braytag says. <laughs> and Braytag basically, uh, his plan is to basically do a fake prisoner thing where he's, uh, Teal'c has put his helmet back on, 
And uh, he's still acting like he's a loyal serpent guard and not the Sholva. Which you, you, you know, you you might think Raytag could have could pretend like he's captured Tilk, which is the one uh, prisoner that everyone knows the face of. But no, Tilk's role in all this is to be suspiciously, suspiciously have his face concealed and act like a guard while Raytag tells the <laughs> the guards at the Stargate, "Hey, I've captured the Tari, and uh, we're gonna dial the Stargate and bring them to Apophis now." And the priest is like, yeah. "Hey, uh, Tag, yo, dude, uh, I really like everything you've done. Big, big fan <laughs> of of your work. Uh, but we already like had an incident with <laughs> some people who snuck past us once today. Uh, so no, actually, you're not gonna come through. Uh, we're gonna wait until we hear from Apophis <laughs> before we do anything with these people. Uh, so please stay here and don't dial the Stargate." Um, and Raytag acts like he's like. I to point out here that there is there is one Jaffa soldier and two of the clerics, <laughs> right? Because because everyone else like scattered when they heard the 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 alert to go into the woods and look for everyone. Um, I feel like really really that should be more reason to stay at right? the thing that leaves the planet. It's like it's like Metal Gear logic. Like an alert is sounded, so all the guards go to wherever everyone the poor run, mag was found, around, yeah. and uh, yeah, and they leave their posts. And so they can sneak past them. Um, so Braytag acts like he understands and he's like, okay, we'll <laughs> wait. And then he turns around. But as soon as he, he turns around, he fucking flips around and like just fires a whole volley of staff weapon blasts oh, yeah. at the ground, at the Jaffa who are there, sets the ground on fire, basically. Um, O'Neill thinks now is the time to take out our guns and start shooting. But... Tilk actually stops them and goes, no, 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 wait, let him do it. And Braytag just like... Check this shit out. Yep. <laughs> Braytag just fucking like takes out every Jaffa who's at the Stargate all on his own by like just hitting them with his staff, basically, after he's blown up the ground at their feet. My, uh, Teal, my impression of Teal this... says, hey, how come he got a full auto staff? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> uh, my impression of it, uh, that scene was dope. It was rad as hell. No, it's... It is so cool, and like you, you like you get why Braytac is a legendary Jaffa warrior. Partly because we've never seen anyone fire a staff weapon this fast. So be, like he's like a sharpshooter, basically, on top of being a martial artist who can take out three different guys with a staff just by hitting them with it. Uh, yeah, so uh, Braytac bring uh, like turns to O'Neill and says, "Not not bad for a man of hundred and thirty-three," because he's real proud of himself. Um, so they start to dial the Stargate, uh, and Carter asks Braytag, so what are you going to do when when the rest of the soldiers come and these priests wake up and tell tell them that you you betrayed the Paphis or whatever? And Braytag says, I suppose I will cross that bridge when I come to it. Which, which is a reference to something O'Neill said earlier, and then Braytag is like grinning real hard and laughing because he's he's such a dad. Like that that's such a dad joke to just bring back a reference that was like a, a saying that he didn't understand earlier that uh, O'Neill said. Um, break out into a splinter. I made a funny. Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> so uh, and then yeah, Teal just talks to him and says, uh, "Yeah, thanks a lot for." for your help here and then like they 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 talk to each other and say farewell and basically i don't know if they tell each other at this point like one day we'll fight side by side as and with and we'll free our people or whatever um yeah great act like gives them like the brave heart like he 
tosses his staff into the <laughs> into the air as they leave to tell them goodbye. Uh, and that's it. That's the end of the episode. Uh, Bloodlines. It's good. I like this episode a lot. Uh, Braytac is so cool. Uh, I'm still looking forward to seeing more of him uh, in a little bit. Um, uh, one last thing before we get fully into the episode. As they're leaving, mm-hmm. like Jack, Jack and Carter sal- do, do their military mm-hmm. salute. Tilk does the Ajapa <laughs> salute. And Daniel just has like this little oh, yeah. ass door. He, he just has a little wave. To, I'm not a soldier, but bye. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cute. Um, yeah, uh, next episode is Fire and Water, which is uh, we're back to oh, an yeah. episode of the week. Uh, it's one I like though. It's 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 pretty silly. It's a kind of a nothing episode, but it has some cool stuff in there. Uh, so that uh, title, I presume, it's about Sub Zero and Scorpion meeting and fighting. Uh, Oh yeah, you're completely right. It's exactly about Sub Zero and Scorpion are in that uh, <laughs> are in that episode. Uh, they're they're involved. No, yeah, they're yeah, involved. yeah. Um, no, it's no. not. Unfortunately, I think the Mortal Com- I think their Mortal Kombat cameos are past no. us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had the uh, Shang Tsung, and that was it. Um, so. Uh, we have a question uh, for us. If you want to send us questions, uh, check out uh, the Twitter account at JaffaTakes. I usually try to put a tweet on the day we record uh, to ask for questions, uh, and you can just reply under that tweet, or you can send an email to JaffaTakesPodcast at gmail.com, and I'll read it on the show. Uh, or a birthday, August 10th. Hey, happy birthday. Uh, it'll be passed by the time this episode comes out, but uh, happy birthday. Uh, asks... Which random planet of the week would you want the crew to return to? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, wasn't there one where they said they were going to check up on them again? Oh yeah, the the one the, the planet that makes you old and they never can went back to check on them. <laughs> um, and they're fine. I, I I'm having a hard time thinking of like future planets of the week for them to. You you can't. Uh, I'm, back I'm the, still sure they went back to. Sorry. You, you they went back to the planet that makes them old, and they're all babies again. I'm telling <laughs> yeah, you, it, it just went backwards. Oops, we fixed the problem too much, and now everyone's a baby, I, and they're all gonna die. <laughs> there's too much of a threat of going back to the planet that makes you old because it sounds like all they do is party every night. Why would you ever leave? Right. The yeah, paradise. they drug each other and they have orgies and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's only because that's because I only lived like five years. Mm-hmm. You know, now that they have a full life, they've got to. Yeah, they have to pace themselves out. a little bit. They're, they're about to learn about the joys of hangovers and uh, back pain and stuff. Um, and actually having to raise their babies because they're not they're not fully grown in a <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't really party when you have a baby waiting at home. Uh, so the, uh, the thing, sorry. Oh, uh, w- once we finish this question, uh, I wanted to <laughs> explain my initial response to this episode and how our mm-hmm. discussion has changed it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I- I'm looking at some like up to season two like planets of the week, and the the thing is that. Most of the cool planets of the week, they actually do go back to. So it's hard to think of one that they don't do that. Um, like, yeah, we've seen them go back to two, like this one. Uh, they're going to go back to the, the, the Asgard planet. They're going to go back to, uh, well, it's not. I mean, uh, there's just like a couple more planets of the, the week uh, later in this season that become recurring. Or if not the planet, like the people that are from that planet, you, you're going to see them again. So it's like, yeah, th- it's not like Star Trek. It's a show where uh, they keep up with these arcs and they don't tend to forget many of them, uh, except 
Yeah, that's that's the thing with Star is that if the plan of the week is good, they'll come yeah. back to it. If it's bad, <laughs> yeah, then they, they won't. won't. Which they is why you, you will never see the Mongol planet again or the planet that makes you old. And well, we're gonna see a lot of references to the like the planet with the cave people again, weirdly, but we're not gonna actually see it again. It's just gonna be mentioned as a place that they know, and we're gonna see a guy from there again, weirdly enough. But it's 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 like for some reason that one became a favorite of the writers to reference for a little bit there. Um, well, it, it, I mean, same reason why we all love, we all love the caveman prisoner. It, it's a caveman, right. it's a planet caveman, caveman. Even though they, you know, they fixed the caveman virus and it's not, it's not a caveman planet anymore. It's just a tightly locked planet now. Listen, I, I, I'm, per- I'm perfectly willing to bet that some people, even though they're better now, decided to stay on the dark house oh, yeah. in the woods. I mean, night is cool too. Like you, you, you want to go there to party at least. Like you, if, if you're gonna throw a rager, you're going to, on the dark side of the planet for sure. Um, uh, it is easier to travel to a previous planet when they all look the exact same, though. When all yeah, your planets that. are Vancouver. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, because they went back to Chulak on this episode, and it just so happens that Chulak looks exactly like every other planet they've been to. So it's not that like hard, a, except they they've they've the had some more set dressing, I guess. Um, yeah. So that's it for questions this week. Uh, Jimmy Dean, uh, you said you wanted to discuss this episode some more. Have at it. Yeah. So I watched this yesterday. Uh, when when <laughs> I finished it, I went, "Wow, uh, I don't think I like this episode," and mainly. Because uh, mm. I was judging it by how much did things change by the end of it. Uh, like, mm-hmm. So the, the <laughs> yeah. episode started with, we got to get this worm out of Teelik's stomach. And we got to stop his mm-hmm. son from getting a worm in his stomach. And at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. uh, they did not accomplish any of their goals. <laughs> like Every single yeah. objective, yeah. <laughs> they returned to the status quo. And I recognize now uh-huh. that this was about them meeting people and meeting his wife and yeah. his child. And meeting cool yep. old teacher staff man, uh, but yeah, yep. at the end, the end of the episode, I went. They didn't do anything. They, nothing was accomplished. Yeah, that's that's the thing, it, and it's a recurring, you know, it's a, it's a recurring criticism of early SG one where uh, they keep. It's a lot of wheel yeah, spinning. Yeah, it's, it's wheel spinning, and you get the impression that there's no progress, and they just go back to status quo. But, like, yeah, you have to look at it a, a, a different way, I guess, which is, like, the, the people they're meeting and the things they're learning is actually what's progressing their story at this point. But also the fact that they keep I, failing to get the, the tech that they go for uh, <laughs> is going to become, like, a liability because uh, the, the people in the U.S. government above them is going to very much agree with you that, what the fuck, they've been, like, on four, four missions this season and there's going to be a fifth one in a few episodes where they go in with an objective and they completely fail that objective and end up no better than where they started and then like the counter to that is that every like, every one of those four uh, instances it, it turns out that the people they met there is going to help them greatly at a future date like because like if we run it like in the Nox they didn't get any tech from the Nox or the invisibility stuff but they met the Nox and the Nox is going to help them out very soon with a problem they have in, in another episode um, in Thor's Hammer they don't get the thing that takes the gold out of people but this is their first contact with the Asgard, who is who are going to be an extremely helpful uh, presence to yeah. them in the future. Uh, season season one is very much first first contact, yeah. like Stargate first yeah, contact. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Stargate I, establishing diplomatic. I'm sh- uh, relations. I'm <laughs> sure we'll get to it and later. 
I, I, I think it's fundamentally, it's unfair to blame O'Neill's squad for the failings of this program. What with there being like 12 yeah. other teams. <laughs> if all 12 right. teams are failing over, you know, a year period, yeah, maybe shut down the program. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just not working. <laughs> yeah, and the, the fact that the other teams mostly serve as, you know, uh, problem of the week fodder and often die isn't really helping their case either because the SG1 is clearly like the star team uh, of the SGC than the ones doing the all, all the actual work. Um, yeah. Yeah, SG1's the only one who actually... It's actually the most successful team at this point, and that's and that's uh-huh. sad. Yeah, 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 it is. It's not great, but it's like because all their success is like not quantifiable and hasn't like bore fruit yet. It's just like like investments for the future, basically. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. gonna say like yeah, like unfortunately, what we are seeing in the first season is a lot of foundation yeah. work. Yeah, uh, I don't think that. Like those of us who who've watched this series, mm-hmm. you know, twenty years mm-hmm. ago, uh, we don't really love it for how it starts, no. but we 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 love it for where 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 yeah. it ends and a lot of the a lot of the places that it uh, that it hits on. Yeah, its way that's there. that's the thing. Season one is like almost definitely better on rewatch because you know what everything is setting up, and it's like it's very, it's very much the foundation for everything. Uh, for the whole series, uh, yeah, even like even an episode like uh, last week's. Well, I guess it's a few weeks ago now. But the the tournament of, of Tantalus, uh, where they don't like the the whole point of the episode is to get this d- database of knowledge from alien races, and they he Daniel doesn't get anything, and they just go home empty-handed after that one. Well, actually, in that episode, they met Ernest, and knowing that Ernest exists is going to be a very specific thing that helps Daniel later on in a different episode. So even that, like, they get something from there. And, and knowing about and knowing the devil didn't build the gates, yeah. and that yeah. there were four, four species. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like, there's there's just a, there's a, like, even like even this episode. Mm-hmm. You meet Braytac. Yeah. You know, we're, we're three quarters of the way through the first mm-hmm. season. And you think, and you're just like, oh, okay, that, that guy was neat. Yeah. Uh, but because he doesn't join the mm-hmm. team... You're just like, oh, okay. Well, we'll maybe see yeah. him again. But maybe. I mean, like it's it's very much not. Or I guess it's it's kind of like the the uh, coming off of like a like a Star Trek, you know, a next generation kind yeah. of thing where it's new planet, new species, new something yeah. every week, but without <laughs> without Star Trek's moralizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so a lot of it. Will kind of just it, it feels empty, but like when, when, <laughs> when we said the power of friendship, like the only thing this needs to be an anime is an actual montage at the end of the season where we see shots of every planet they've been to and everyone like clapping for them to succeed against the gold. But we don't get that. But in the, in a weird way, it all comes back to help them. Like things that you think were not important are come back and turn out to be like I don't know, uh, weirdly fateful uh, in the way that things shake out so it's interesting um but yeah i do like bloodlines for the most part for like two reasons one of them is braytac who's like fucking the best he's so cool oh the boss <laughs> oh yeah and, and the other one and, is and also just sorry chris my 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 big reason like this episode is like christopher judge actually gets yeah, to that's emote the thing. this is the first time we get like a teal centric episode uh 
Well, I, I was kind of like trying to weigh in my mind if Thor's hammer counts as a Teal-centric episode because it's the problem that mostly centers on him. It's not really, though. It's not like I- internal character development episode for him. So it's nice that like we get some uh, to peek behind the mask of Teal in this one, so to speak. Have, um, have we had a Carter we're not- episode yet? Oh, wait, we've had a bunch. Emancipation was a Carter uh. episode. Uh, <laughs> um, have we had a good Carter no, episode? Uh, no. We're, we're going to get... I don't think we get one this we're season. We're going to get like a rapid fire, two good Carter episodes in a little bit. Like uh, Enigma yeah. and uh, their singularity and then Enigma are two Carter-centric episodes that are actually good. Um, yeah, uh, there's also going to be a bad one. Well, I mean, Hathor is not super Carter-centric. Mm-hmm. It's kind of slightly that, and it's a is one of the worst episodes of the series um <laughs> but that's coming up uh in two weeks uh in one week it's fire and water which is a, a planet of the week episode like i said uh that has some fun stuff in it but not much in terms of overall uh arc progression but uh see you there keep listening and keep watching uh stargate uh if you're watching along with us uh eric is there anything you want to plug uh, listen to the Anime Sickos podcast. Thank you. Uh, Kavika, anything you want to say to our audience before we sign off? Uh, no, I'm good. Just, you know, Braytech. Braytech's the yeah. best. More Braytech. Braytech's the best. I love him. Uh, M, any last words? Uh, yeah, you can find me on M of Healy on Twitter and. I do have slightly more substantial plug Ooh. this time. Um, I have a collection of sh- short stories that I published under my o- old name a couple mm. years ago. And I, s- I was selling them in person Ooh. at conventions. I haven't been able to, I haven't been able to do that for coming up on three yeah, years now. I get that. Uh, so, so I'm off, I'm offering a thing. Anyone who might like a collection of science fiction and fantasy short stories. D- DM me on Twitter, and I will se- and I will send you one with selectively what with I will white out I will white out selective parts on it, <laughs> and I will se- se- sign it and send it to you for five dollars plus shipping. Oh, there you go! Uh, our first sponsor on this podcast, everyone, uh, is a member of our own podcast. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, support M. Get their stories at a special discount for listeners of this podcast, I guess. Uh, you heard it here first. Uh, Jimmy Dean, any uh, TV shows or anything you want to talk about before we leave? Uh, my, my, my compadre and I stopped watching Allie McBeal, uh, primarily because the fourth mm-hmm. season, every other episode was wildly <laughs> transphobic. So we pulled the record. Oh, great. Yeah, awesome. we pulled the record on that guy. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, uh, when, when your entire central cast is transphobic, uh, it makes it harder to watch a show. Yeah. Um, so. When you're a 90s comedy trying to be funny and yeah. edgy, and it turns out... Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we jumped over to OC, and let me tell you, the drama of Newport Beach fucking rules. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard... I, I think I've seen some videos about the OC that make it sound like... A perspective that I'd never considered of uh, on that show that I've kind of like never really been well, interested in, but it's uh, got, always nice to hear yeah, some. It's got, uh, it's got baby Ben McKenzie. Uh, it's got Peter Gallagher. What more could you want? It's great. Everyone watch the OC. 
It's got Peter Gallagher. It's got yes. Peter Gallagher's eyebrows. <laughs> Best supporting actors, Peter Gallagher's eyebrows. Nice. Um, as for me, you can find my Twitter at the Real Simben. Uh, I've already told you all the hooks, the other hooks for this podcast. Uh, if you go on my Twitter, I, I've posted a, fi- a few pictures. I actually got the complete series Blu-ray set for Stargate. Uh, if you're wondering what that packaging looks looks like, uh, you can go over there and check it out. Uh, it's a pretty cool box, if I can if I can say so. Uh, and also, like Stargate SG One on Blu-ray is the first time it's been put on HD uh, on any medium at all, and it looks pretty nice. Uh, it's uh, like the first seven seasons are just upscaled from the DVDs, so it's not perfect. Uh, you can't like it. The, the, it's not sharp enough to like read the documents that the people have on the table on the show or anything but it does look much nicer than the old dvds did or even then then it looks on streaming so if you have a couple hundred bucks to send uh <laughs> over to uh mgm or slash amazon and get like 17 seasons of tv coming in exchange for it uh i would recommend it uh but i felt like if i was gonna make one uh make one expense for any show uh it should be this one considering i'm the host of this podcast uh but i'll see you all next week with (laughs) fire and water uh, and uncreate